My first child was a boy. I love him with all my heart, but he is different than I am, starting with the anatomy. When I got pregnant with my second child, I knew she was going to be a girl. I dreamt that she was a girl. I felt in my bones that she was a girl. When the amnio results came back, it was just confirmation of what I knew, that she indeed had two X chromosomes and anatomical features that were familiar to mine. Even though I had known it instinctively, I was thrilled by the official news. As a woman, something about having a girl is truly magical. That single phrase, it's a girl, conjures up a kaleidoscope of images of what it means to be a girl and to be a woman raising a girl. Whether girls follow the path of pink bows, patent leathers, and Barbie dolls, or scraped knees, tree houses, frogs, and lizards. At first, they're invincible. They can be a princess, they can be Dora the Explorer, or they can be both. You marvel at their intense friendships, their creativity and imagination, their compassion, and their boundless energy. But then, far too early, the world starts chipping away at them in very subtle ways. As the late Congressional Representative Shirley Chisholm said, the emotional, sexual, and psychological stereotyping of females begins when the doctor says it's a girl. You notice that she stops raising her hand in class, even when she knows the answer. You comfort her after she has been teased about her weight, and you have to hold yourself back from going after the teasers. You hear the dreaded, Mommy, does this make me look fat? and she refuses to take her towel off at the swimming pool. The transformation has begun. Your benevolent princess or fearless explorer has been broadsided by reality. All of those wonderful and magical images you had of raising a daughter shatter when reality slaps her in the little face. Freud said, The first ego is a body ego. What he meant was that the first things we are aware of and respond to are basic biological bodily signals, such as hunger, fullness, pooping, and pain. But these are hard-wired signals related to survival in the world. As little children, we are granted a brief grace period when we blissfully enjoy the complete separation of body esteem and self-esteem. Maybe as toddlers, before we become aware of the fact that people make judgments based on appearance and weight, we can play, explore, fantasize, and revel in the experience of being human without reference to or awareness of others' evaluations of our physical appearance. But something starts to happen, slowly and insidiously. Our mothers put bows in our hair and dress us in pretty dresses— Dad says, you look pretty today. Grandparents take us clothes shopping and see outfits that have our favorite princesses on them, and we want one too. Our peers start to talk about who is pretty and who is popular. Ever so gradually, we start to become aware of the external eye. The external eye is the lens that belongs to others and makes judgments about us based on our appearance, our skin color, our hair, our weight, our eyes, our size, our shape. That once carefree nature becomes buried in self-consciousness. Awareness of the external eye and the development of self-consciousness 
marked the first step toward the inexorable intertwining of body esteem and self-esteem.